0: Hey, Hey, Greg. I was in Chicago this past weekend to watch the Jets uh, act as a uh, human bye week for the Chicago Bears. (laughs) Uh, It was very embarrassing, but I did discover something about being a fan of a horrible team. What's that? This this is the truth. I had Bears fans coming up to me all day telling me how much I suck and my team sucks, which I probably was asking for wearing a Jets-branded Marshall jersey to a Bears game, but that's neither here nor there. The eternal truth that I found is that once you're confronted with this mockery from somebody, one of the most effective things you can do, and I'm, I'm speaking to you, Panthers fans and Sabres fans and any fan of a team that maybe has had a run of misery, you simply turn to them and say, it's not my fault. I was born into it. And there's a part of the Chicago fan in particular who understands this because for years, before you know the Cubs became a successful franchise... And uh, and finally broke through and, and you know, led us down this this horrible path of alternative history that we're on right now. You know that's the moment in which it happened, right? That's the moment it all turned. Um, they understood the fact that you're born into these things. And so as a Jets fan, it's much like being a Cubs fan, much like being a Red Sox fan before their run. It's this idea of, like, you're on the bandwagon. You were placed there as a child, swallowed swaddled in a Namath jersey. And you're not going to leave the bandwagon until it reaches its destination. And so I think there's a lot of people that when they come down with you on you with the fury of of mockery and and misery and wanting to put you in your place and stomp on you with their boots and pour poo on you probably with a bucket, you simply turn to them and say, hey, man, it's not my fault. I was born into this.
1: Was that the ultimate mic drop and you to say, I'm sorry I was born this way?
0: It wasn't so much of a mic drop as it was then curl into the pe- the fetal position with the mic and start sobbing and hope that they leave you alone.
1: And then being comforted by your beloved Lou Malnadis pizza, which you think well, is great because you haven't tried Pequod's yet.
0: It did help. I have not tried Pequod's. Again, my, my wife was born into a Lou Malnadis family. She can't so help that she, she, she was speak. born that way. She can't help that she was born that way. <laughs> All right. With that, uh, we got a great show. Darren Ravel of ESPN is going to join us to tell us what the hell is going on with the NHL and sports wagering. Steve Wino is going to join us to talk about a lot of things, including the Flyers, Goaltending Misery, uh, and the NHL and Weed. And with that, let's start the show proper, shall we? From the ice to your earbuds,
2: a podcast about hockey, featuring things to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on ice with Wachitski and Kaplan.
0: Welcome to ESPN on Ice. It's the podcast where ESPN talks about hockey. I'm Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer.
1: I'm Emily Kaplan, national NHL reporter. Thanks to everyone in my Reddit AMA who said they missed that feature. And I told someone to give them a shout out and I can't remember their username right now.
0: How'd that AMA go? Was it a good time?
1: You know what? I was talking about it. I have a small but loyal fan base. I felt like they were just so nice. I was ready for some snark and everyone was so supportive.
0: I saw the one person who gave you support and then told you that I talk too much and I always interrupt you.
1: No comment. I can, I can I kid. I, kid, I, kid. Oh, I
0: love it. You you don't want to piss off Team Emily. Team Emily knows that y- right now, if you were to state something contrary, you might lose your support, your base. I want
1: Team Emily to be like a miniature version of the Shonda Rhines superfans that you see on Thursday nights on Twitter. Like the people who love Olivia Pope and sip wine and eat popcorn and are like Team Shonda Shondaland.
0: So, like, like Emily terms and Emily names would trend whenever yeah. we record the podcast. Like,
1: hashtag the notepad. <laughs> you know, I've got some notepad fans.
0: <laughs> you do that. That that might be the battle flag of Team Emily. It's just people holding up a, a notepad with, with a perfectly, thick, perfectly written Sharpie pen.
1: Yeah, really thick felt marker.
0: All right. Well, our first topic is not the love that Team Emily has for Emily, and but in fact, it is about the hate—not the Team Emily has for me, but the hate that the NHL used to have. In the words of Columbus Blue Jackets coach John Tortorella, "Games changed, and for some dinosaurs that are in it, it it's it's very frustrating. I have to admit, and." Um, Right a TV. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And I mean it. And I'm not joking about it. It's really frustrating to me on conversations on the ice amongst opponents on a face-off. And it's like a big hug fest sometimes. I don't know if they have so many meetings with this NHLPA and all that stuff that goes on. But there's no, there's no, there's no hate. And uh, I miss that. And, uh, yeah, I... Frustrates out of me quite honestly. I'm telling you, Brooksy, there's no hate. They're all hugging each other. You know, you mentioned this topic and I think it's one that deserves a little bit more exploration. Um, because his words sort of resonated with some fans. Other fans were like, Yeah, you totally are a dinosaur. Why are you talking about this? The game's never been better. Where do you stand on hate in the NHL?
1: Here's my theory that I've totally cribbed from a conversation I had over the weekend with an NHL agent. We were bringing up this conversation, and I was just kind of joking. Did you see that clip? Wasn't it funny? And the agent goes, no, there's something to it. And I said, what? And he said, look, just consider how guys grew up now in the NHL now. Um, they're playing on elite teams since they're a really young age. They're traveling more to all of these tournaments. Over the summer, there's different mafias. You're either at Team BioSteel camp, and that's where you train. You're with the USA <laughs> hockey guys, the guys that are in Florida with a skating coach down there. There's all these different ways now where guys are so familiar that when they play in an NHL game, it's almost a mini reunion, and it's reminiscent of what we've seen for a lot of times in the NBA for the last couple years. So I think there is some truth to it that guys are just more congenial.
0: I think there's truth to that. Um, I think that the fact that we've seen a uh, dramatic decline in the amount of fighting in the league and the amount of rough stuff in the league and the amount of just heinous illegal plays we're talking the rule 48 stuff before rule 48 where guys are getting laid out on stretchers has decreased the the, the idea and, and and the passions of rivalries and i think that has a lot to do with it too like you know there's no question that 10 10 12 years ago there were probably guys on the vancouver canucks and the chicago blackhawks who were friends but when those teams would play whether it was in the regular season or, or in the playoffs they would be the nastiest things um I think that there are still rivalries that reach that level. I had a lot of people, when this topic came up about Tortorella, um, mention, well, what about the Ducks and the Kings? Absolutely true. When those two teams step on the ice against each other, there is hatred there. There is bile there. When there is Corey, Corey Perry, there's usually something heinous happening that will spark something uh, happening on the ice. some people. Oh, and Dustin Brown as well, no, no doubt. I mean, there's no question that there are players in that rivalry that definitely stoke it. But that's a city rivalry. And when the Rangers and Islanders get together and they're both relevant, that's a city rivalry. When the Flyers and Penguins get together, that's a geographic rivalry as well. And so I think in those cases, you have it. I'll go another place where there's still hate geographically, USA-Canada. Every time USA-Canada steps on the ice, it doesn't matter the age, the tournament, or the gender of those two teams, there's hate without question.
1: Yeah, but Greg, those are international games. Those aren't NHL games.
0: I agree. So now we get back to the the
1: problem.
0: We get back to the NHL. You know what the other issue is with those (laughs) with those tournaments versus the NHL? Compensation. I believe that part of the reason that we have these hogfests out there, as Tortorella says, is because these guys don't have a lot on the line when it comes to glory. Now, listen, they all want to win the cup. They all want to win. They all want to be successful. They all want to make the playoffs. But it's not like back in the day where these guys were making you know minimum wage. It's not. It's not as if these guys. You got guys in these teams where you know playing on and getting bonuses is 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 the difference between whether or not you know they're making rent. Everybody's rich. Everybody's compensated. You have guys that are making more money in the span of three years than most players made in ten years back in the nineteen eighties. So I think – and this is not me trying to put it on the millennials. This is me saying that in this league right now, the stakes are still high when it comes to success, but maybe the desperation isn't necessarily there. Because what's the worst that happens if you don't win? You go someplace else, you don't win, but you probably make more money.
1: Uh, If you're in a league minimum deal, a two-way deal – The AHL salary is a lot different than the NHL salary. Though I do hear you on that, that most players are much more comfortable and can set their families up for far more longer uh, than they did in years past. I like that theory. I still subscribe to mine that guys are just friends these days and social media makes it easier to comment on someone's Instagram and stay in touch easier where it used to be, hey, buddy, it's once over the summer. Let's all go for a golf trip. But at the same
0: time, like there were definitely friendships across enemy lines back in the day. Maybe there were fewer of them, but there definitely were. And I'm trying to figure out, I agree with Twitterilla. There, there's a moment that's happened in the last 10 or 15 years where the hate decreased and where it didn't mean as much to maim the other guy as it used to. And, and maybe it is, like you said, and, 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 and the agent said, this notion of all these guys hanging out, all these guys being part of factions, all these guys coming up together. I don't know what it is, but there does seem to be a lot less of that sort of like, I am going to do... Whatever it takes at any cost And I don't care about this other guy's safety And and maybe that's it As I speak extemporaneously here Maybe concussions have something to do with it totally. Maybe the fact that we now Understand better The health ramifications of playing this game And what happens to players after they leave this league That these guys don't Necessarily want to go that extra step And you know Have it be where their buddy can't be in a room where the lights are on After they're done playing That could very well be it too
1: I think that's a great point. I mean, Mike Matheson, Elias Petterson, obviously they don't see each other very much with rivals. But he makes the hit on Pettersson. Pettersson's concussed. You see the shame almost when Matheson talks. Like, no, this is not who I am. I'm not someone who wants to injure another player.
0: You never hear ever in this league anymore guys that are like, yeah, well, he better ne- not step out of line or I'll do it again. Yeah, You know, you ne- maybe hear it on the ice. But you certainly don't hear it in the comments made afterwards. It's always like I immediately texted him. I tried to make sure he's okay. Yada, yada, yada. So maybe there's something to that as well. It's just a better care for your teammates and, and all that jive.
1: The last thing I'll say, I think you made up a great point that USA versus Canada is the last place, really. And, you know, Russia, and I I think there's some Finland versus Sweden rivalry, but international allegiances is really where guys get fired up. But if Mm -hmm. you think about it, okay, there's such a large faction of Americans. They're all buddies in the NHL. Like at the Player Media Tour, my biggest takeaway from talking to Charlie McAvoy was that he's the biggest hype boy for Austin Matthews that I've ever met in my life. He would probably like sit on Austin Matthews Instagram right now and defend every troll that came his way. He loves him.
3: I'll
0: go, I'll go, and I'll go ahead. USA thing. I'll go one more on that too. I bet parody's got something to do with it too. Because hmm. like, it, I remember talking to Patrick Kane at the Olympics and I'll never forget this conversation about, it was in Vancouver and it was about what the US felt when they played Canada. And it was very much the sort of like, you know, he played on travel teams. He played on teams that played Canada. All the Canadian guys would be like, you automatically suck. You are the lesser because of where you're from. How many lessers do we really have in the NHL now? Hmm. Right? Like good everybody's point. just kind of pretty good. And if you're not good, it's because you're sucking on purpose to try to get good. So because of the fact you don't have the haves and have-nots necessarily anymore, and everybody's got a shot every year, I wonder if that's part of it too. No one's, you're, you're not trying to take it away from somebody because you're kind of there already.
1: Greg, do you know that these days you can get practically anything on demand? You know, like our podcast, when you can listen whenever you want, whenever it's convenient oh. for you, wherever you want, in the shower, on the subway. I don't really care. Oh, all right. But another thing you can get wherever you want is postage. All you need is Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can access all of the services of a post office right from your desk or bedroom or bathroom or wherever you do your business. You can buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package. It's all available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You just click and then you print, and then you mail, and then you're all done. You can do whatever else you want to do. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale where you can weigh your letters and packages and print the exact amount of postage every single time. And this
0: is amazing because you could put your stamp scale next to your other scale in the bathroom. But don't confuse them because then it could be very complicated.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, what, one scale per corner. <laughs> but look, Stamps.com is great. I've used it. I think you used it now by now too, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, to send out stuff to listeners and to readers and all sorts of things its very convenient.
1: Yeah. I-, I might even use it to ship some new notepads so I can make my handy notepad drawings every week for ESPN on Ice. <laughs> and right now, you can do that, too, if you want to ship some notepads. I don't know. Uh, you can use Ice, which is a special offer for a four-week trial, which includes postage and that said digital sale. So don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. You click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and you type in ICE, I-C-E, that's stamped.com, enter ICE.
0: Coming up, a guy who's going to tell us a little bit more about parody in the NHL and maybe parlays in the Ooh. NHL, Emily. It's Darren Ravel of ESPN. Joining us down the line, Darren Ravel, the business guru for ESPN, who was there for the big revelation that the NHL is partnering with MGM, where MGM is becoming the official uh, betting partner or whatever with the National Hockey League, and Darren, you even got some uh, some gas from the uh, commissioner yesterday, giving you a little bit of, of, of fun time ribbing. That's exciting.
2: Well, yeah, I, I mean, I set him up. I mean, he, there there were there were ample quotes uh, of Mister Bettman uh, opposing uh, the overturning of this Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act of 1992, which is what was parts of it were ruled unconstitutional, and that's what set up states um, to have the right to, to make their own decision on sports gambling. I mean, everything was negative. I, I was out when, when the Vegas Knights were announced uh, the a deal. Gary was very clear that this had nothing to do with gambling, and gambling was not a part of this at all. And then at the beginning of last year, you know, specifically asking what became his new partners, MGM, that uh, you know, he was concerned about New York, New York and, and the Monte Carlo, which is adjacent to T-Mobile arena is that they could, could they take the Knights off the books mm-hmm. for home games? So it was, it was, it was not only like, it wasn't like a nonchalance. It was no, 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 we, we, we don't like this. So my first question was obviously asking him what changed. And he said, you know, uh, the, the law changed. Um, <laughs> But it
1: was quite an about-face. Darren, one of the questions I have for you is, look, the NHL, this is not the world they wanted to live in. They resisted this for a while. But now I think they accept that this is the world they do live in, and now they're trying to embrace it. And one of the things Uh, they think they're curious about is the idea that sports betting on hockey games could increase the popularity of the sport. How feasible do you think that is, and what is the ceiling for how much betting could impact popularity?
2: In 2002, Stan Casten told me that if they could get gambling kiosks inside of for Thrasher's games, uh, that they'd sell out every night.
0: Huh.
2: Now, I don't, I don't know about that. And we're not at the point of kiosk yet. We are at the point where, uh, for for Devils at least, right now they have two partners, which Caesars announced today, and. William Hill announced last week. Or essentially, you're going into a area. Both have areas where they're trying to have ambassadors set up their each individual apps um, so that you can bet while you're in the Prudential Center, and uh, you can bet. They hope when when you're gone. Um, so I think right now. Uh, the you're going to see at least the Devils do more than anyone else because they're in New Jersey where there's tremendous competition for, for eight apps. I don't know. Hockey is still not the most bettable sport and will never be because of the speed of the game. Um, there's In terms of um, there's, there's just less. I feel like baseball could benefit if they could figure out Uh, how to translate into something that right now is fairly complex to bet and people don't understand it. But I think hockey is not the most bettable sport, but will it help? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, 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 I'm sure people will find some side action exciting. Now, the question is, does it make current fans, hockey being the niche sport that it is, does it make current fans more excited, or does it make current fans more excited and fan, people who are not currently fans or casual fans, avid fans? And I'm not sure. About, I can't answer that. Yeah, but that's, I, I think that's what the hope is.
0: And I guess I guess, Bettman, you know, in, in talking about the player tracking technology that, that he discussed uh, when, when debuting this MGM deal, part of the equation here is the idea that maybe that technology not only informs the better, and informs the wagering more, but also opens up new avenues for people to wager on hockey games, at least. At least, at least that's the, the sense I got. But the thing I wanted to ask you is something he said that struck me as very curious about that. He said something along the lines of the NHL would have influence over MGM on which parts of the game could be wagered on. Do you think that's yeah, sort that, of that, the, that's it, Yeah, I, I noticed that. Do um, you think that's the prop bets and stuff, or what, what do you think he was trying to get at there? Yeah, yeah,
2: potentially. I, I Although Adam Silver didn't overtly say that, uh, I got a sense that this was with MGM. And, and theirs is just to quickly explain the difference: the NBA is MGM is the official gaming partner of the NBA. They don't use betting, uh, fine line kind of thing, and that's a, that's an exclusive sponsorship. No one else can get the sponsorship, and they're selling the data. And MGM is an official partner. Uh, betting partner of the NHL, they are not the exclusive. There could be other partners, and they're also selling the data, which is non-exclusive. But yeah, I mean, there's a sense that this is going to be a partnership, um, and I think there is kind of some gray areas. You know, I mean, <laughs> the NFL is coming; that, that that's going to be the next thing, and they're not going to do a deal. But they've told all the teams, "Yes, you had casinos." If you want to do a deal this year, you can sell an official gaming partner, huh. but that gaming partner can't say anything about sports betting. Huh. So let's say MGM does a deal with an NFL team. They will, not, they will be able to advertise their their app, but they will not be able to do anything as far as gambling. So this is thing that you're talking about there with the, the NHL working in cahoots with MGM, that's kind of the fine line dynamic that I think will exist in the early going, but it should change.
1: Interesting. Well, one thing I'm really curious about is injury reports. It's a hot-button topic in the way the yes. NHL uh, does release them and pretty much keeps them as big as possible. Gary Bettman said this won't impact injury reports. What's your take on that?
2: And he also said that hockey players play hurt, so that (laughs) like, in other words, like injury reports wouldn't be helpful, um, which is kind of a, I thought that came off as weird, Um, but uh, I'm not sure Gary understands the want for injury reports. And maybe he doesn't care, but betters are going to want to have that type of information. And, the question then becomes: We just talked about the NHL exerting pressure on MGM. Does MGM exert pressure on the NHL to say, "Listen, um, what makes sports betting, you know, something that, that that bettors enjoy, is that there's actually a perception that it is a little bit more controlled than it is," and we know more about if in in sports where there are injury reports, we know more about the the, the players and more about the game than we do stocks on the stock market. (laughs) We only know about stocks on the stock market when there's earning reports and the company decides to have news. And those, those are traded every day, Monday through Friday, nine through five. And in sports, if we have the injury reports, And we have other information. Who's facing who? Companies aren't facing off against each other. So Mm -hmm. as someone who worked at CNBC for six years, I understand the idea that how sports is an easier thing to at least think you have control over versus companies in the stock market. And injury reports are one of those essential pieces that make people more likely to bet because they feel like they have a better chance. Whether MGM is going to explain that to Bettman or Bettman cares, I don't know.
0: Interesting. Last one, Darren, and thanks for your time. Much appreciated, and it's been great info. Um, so Emily and I are, are hockey fans and hockey writers. We're in our bubble. We have a certain perception of how things are going from a, a, a sports business perspective. How do you think the NHL is doing these days?
2: I think I think the NHL is doing pretty well in in, in its bubble. Um I think the, the the greatest thing that the NHL has going, and you're, you're not going to want to hear this, Uh-oh. is that it ha- as all these leagues are heading to potential work stoppages, the NHL has the greatest carrot or, 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 or the, the, the owners have, have the greatest thing in their bag of tricks. And that is, that the sport is niche enough that there's not a replacement for it. And people aren't going to pick up another sport because the NHL is sitting out. We've learned that already. Mm -hmm. And, and so I know we're always talking about, Hey, can the NHL get bigger and bigger and bigger? Look at the, look at the markets of the teams that have won the Stanley cup. That's gone as good as possible over the last eight years. Um, but, but but I think ultimately, as all these sports at the same time seem to be heading towards labor Armageddon, the NHL and the owners, and I know, again, I don't know if I don't, fans don't want to hear this, but they, they have confidence that they'll be okay no matter what it takes because people won't leave. Because the people that love the sport love it so much. Did and that's back- what I come away with.
0: Yeah, and they came back pretty quickly after uh, the cancel season, yep. so you might have a point there. I mean, hey, my my hope is that uh, Bettman keeps following the NBA's lead. He followed the NBA to MGM. Hopefully he follows the NBA to Labor Peace <laughs> as well. <laughs> but we'll see. All right, Darren, thank you so much for your time,
3: man. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
1: Thanks, Darren, for his time. That was really interesting stuff. But now it's time for a new segment we would like to introduce.
3: Hey, guys. So here are Satch's stumpers for the week. I have okay. three answers. Okay. Let's- Let's stop right there.
0: So Sachin Shandon is one of our good friends here at ESPN, a jack-of-all-trades, a man who knows his numbers back and forth, a trivia maven, if you will. But the idea that this is going to be Sach's stumpers going forward is, is a non-starter. <laughs> the name of this segment, and we're going to and, and Ryan, you're going to have to make a sounder next week, is Sach Got your number, because no one is smoother. Every, everybody who's ever been to a bar in the Bristol area knows how smooth this man is. So Sash Got Your Number is gonna be the name of the segment. But here's how it's gonna work. He's gonna give us a number, and then Emily and I are gonna to have to try to guess what bit of NHL trivia is linked to this number. So if anyone's heard, you know, the Howard Stern show and the homeless game, it's pretty much that. But this is called Sash Got Your Number, and we begin with this number.
3: I have three answers for you, and I would like for you to guess the question. The answer for today's first hockey trivia question is 12. Can you guess what it is?
0: Okay, 12. I'm going to say the longest winning streak the Buffalo Savers have had in franchise history.
1: Ooh, I like that. I think I'm going to be super unoriginal and stick with my guess from this morning. Uh, 12 is the percent increase of finished players in the NHL this season.
3: All right. There are 12 teams in the league that are currently using a first time head coach, meaning that this is their first coaching stint in the NHL. That is 39% of the entire league.
4: <laughs> <laughs> 39
1: Amazing. We're idiots. <laughs> we couldn't get it.
3: There it is. All right. Well, so we're both 0 for 1. All right. Okay. Let's go to,
0: uh, Sacha's, uh, stumper number two.
3: The answer to today's second hockey trivia question is 28.3%.
0: 28.3% is uh, definitely, um, I would say, okay, 28.3% is going to be the power play conversion rate for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm.
1: I'll keep it in state. 28.3%. Is the amount of time in a game the Philadelphia Flyers have played with a lead this season?
3: Oh,
0: that's good,
1: too.
3: (laughs) 28.3% of JT Miller's time on ice has been spent on the power play. The Lightning forward has the highest rate in the league. He also has three goals and two assists on said power play to show for it. Ooh.
0: That's pretty. I mean, that sort of speaks to his deficiencies at five on five play, I would imagine, to have that much of a large percentage of your time on the power play but Hmm. a good fact again from sash the more you know we're and 2 let's let's try to pull one of us out of this tailspin here here's sasha stumper number three
3: so the trivia question answer is 6.2 6.2
0: is the score the russian judge gave on yevgeny kuznetsov latest dive Mm. no actually that'd be a tense terrible joke go ahead what's your guess
1: uh 6.2 is the average amount of dipping sauces that Sasha Barkov and Patrick Laine use for their wings when they're in Finland.
0: When they're in
3: Finland. The Montreal Canadiens have the shortest last names in the league at an average of 6.2 letters. <laughs> and if you remember the Max Domi for Alex Galchenyuk trade, the Arizona Coyotes now have the longest average last name in the league at eight letters.
1: Thank God they got rid of Patchy wow. Jesus.
3: Wow. <laughs> You know, I'd you say all he need- feel
1: smarter after listening to this? That's the feedback we would like to know after
0: this. I'd say he needs a hobby, but this is a pretty damn good hobby, to be Amazing. honest with you. <laughs> all right. Well, I mentioned Max Domi. No no word yet what's going to happen with regard to Max Domi and his impact on the Montreal Canadiens, but there are many players that currently have quite an impact on their teams. We figured now, since we are through the uh, first month of the season, we'd check in on one of our favorite things in the world, which is, of course premature declarations of trophy awarding in this case it's the Hart trophy now a couple of candidates straight away we should discuss patrick kane with 18 points in his first 12 games is he the engine right now for the chicago blackhawks and they are their surprising playoff contention emily
1: He's one of them. I think Corey Crawford obviously is the obvious answer here to sound like an NHL player and use obviously three times in a sentence. I will do that now. Uh, but Patrick Kane, what I find most interesting about him is that he is not line mate dependent. We've seen that he makes guys around him better. Panarin played his best hockey when he was with Kane Kane can play with Schmaltz he can play with anyone they want to put on the second line and he still produces uh the last I checked he had contributed something like 30 percent of the team's goals he had either had a goal or primary assist on that's quite a high number uh he would definitely be in my top three for heart consideration right now
0: without question 11 goals in the season in 12 games pretty damn good start um Guys that may or may not be line-dependent, but it really doesn't matter when the line is this damn good, is Nathan McKinnon with 15 mm. points, Mikko Rantanen with uh, 21 points, and, of course, Landis Kog not too far back with 16 points. We uh, released our list of the top lines in the NHL, top 20 lines. This line topped the list ahead of Boston's uh, Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand line. I don't think either of us disagree with that. I think Colorado's probably got the best line in hockey right now, right?
1: I like Boston, but I think it's a 1-1-A. One
0: yeah, and I think McKinnon probably is the guy out of the trio that would get the heart love as sort of a uh, a make a make good for last season, not giving it to him then. Rantanen right now leads the league with twenty one points, uh but McKinnon uh, certainly was a, a driving force in that line early on in the season. Uh and any line that could potentially carry a team to the playoffs as this line did last year, uh is gonna get a lot of heart love for somebody on it. Uh you've getting Malkin. 18 points in nine games for a Penguins team that is surging once again. Story of his life. Sidney Crosby gets all the headlines for tearing apart teams in the western part of Canada, as we'll talk about in Puck Headlines later. Uh, But Malkin's the guy with the incredible numbers so far.
1: Can I ask you something? Yeah. My only gripe... With your list of the top lines, was how low that Penguins line was. With ah. Malkin, who you mentioned, has 18 points. Bill Kessel, seven goals, 14 points already. Is it Haglin weighing them down? Like, what gives? No, no,
0: no. it doesn't weigh them down. In fact, I think that he he helps them. My my issue with that line, um, and and I had the line ranked 12th uh, behind uh, well, 11 others. But the issue I have with that line is that if you go inside the numbers, Malkin and 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 Haglin actually play better with patrick hornquist so i think that there is a better version of that Hmm. line than the one that we've been seeing from the penguins um it's a great line i'm I'm, I'm sure you know at season's end i'd probably have them ranked higher if they continue to produce this clip but uh, you know when you go inside the numbers and, and see what's happening with hornquist in that line versus with castle in that line i had to put that incarnation of the line behind a few of the other ones but that's okay i think i think this i mean it's a list it exists for griping and I think that you make a, a, a reasonable gripe. Uh, Nathan, once again, Connor McDavid with 17 points to start the season is kicking, is dragging a team, kicking and screaming, trying to get them into playoff contention, trying to keep them out of the basement. Uh, it, it may stack up as yet again another season where McDavid is un, he's just a, a hockey deity, but his team sucks.
1: Well, I got to say, don't look now, but this team has won six of its eight games, picking up points in seven of them, and is now just one point out of the Pacific Division lead, just saying. Uh, but what I think will be interesting about this is it will once again sprout up the conversation, should an NHL player, do they have to be on a playoff team to win MVP uh, if the Oilers do not make it? And um I actually asked a bunch of NHL players that, and you'll see their answers on ESPN.com soon.
0: The answer is, of course, yes. Uh, Sebastian Ajo is having an insanely great breakout season with 16 points so far for a Carolina team that has uh, been one of the better stories in the league. His line with Tavo Ferovinen and Michael Furland is 13th, right behind your storied Penguins line, uh, in our ranking this week. And, you know, if they continue down this path, and he continues to have the season he's having, it's the kind of year where you might see Ajo finish a good clip of points ahead of the next guy in that lineup, which of course was the recipe for success for Kopitar and Hall and McKinnon last season. So that's one to keep an eye on if Carolina does, in fact, become a playoff team this year.
1: And then, uh, guys, we don't talk about a lot for league MVP, but what about the goalies, Greg? John Gibson literally willing and shouldering all of the shots uh, to get this team in the playoffs because they've been abysmal defensively, and he has been spectacular.
0: Keeping his coach in a job, keeping the Ducks in the playoff hunt, there's nothing this guy isn't doing. And it could be a situation where if the Ducks somehow make the cut in the West, a very competitive West, uh, that we could see one of those double heart Vesna-type campaigns for Gibson. And you have Carey Price over in the East. Montreal's been an amazing story, getting better play out of their forwards than anyone could have imagined. Price uh, looking very Price-like so far, 4-1 and 2, nine twenty-two save percentage. Not carrying the team in the way that Gibson has, but uh, clearly having been a difference maker in those games, so another goalie to kind of look out for in your heart conversations. Steve Wino of the Associated Press gets the heart for us this week because he's a bit of a pinch hitter in the guest department, and that's fine. He's a good dude. Well-dressed.
1: And knows and if, a lot.
0: And if you want to be well-dressed, Emily, oh, there's only one place to look. Well, not necessarily for I you, didn't know that was coming. For dudes. I didn't. Indochino is the place. They measure suits to fit better compared to generic off-the-rack suits because Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. As you know, I've got the chinos. I had the tux. I had the suit jacket. I vouch for Indochino and the way that they use exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Guys love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors to choose from and the option to personalize the, de- de- the details, including your lapel, your lining, your pockets, your buttons, and your own monogram. Mm. Uh, you visit a stylist in their showroom and have them take your measurements personally or measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. Uh, choose your fabrics inside and out choose your design customization submit your measurements and relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple of weeks and this week listeners to ESPN on Ice get any premium indochino suit for just 359 it's 359 bucks at indochino.com i n d o c h i n o.com when entering ice at checkout that's 50% off the regular price and shipping is free Indochino.com, promo code ICE for any premium suit for just $3.59 and free shipping. And remember, they've expanded into casual clothing, made-to-measure chinos that will become your go-to pant, good any time of the year. Indochinos are available at the introductory price of $79 U.S. (whistles) Now, here is a stylish man, and by stylish, I mean probably wearing an oversized Jacksonville Jaguars windbreaker. It's Steve Wino the Associated Press. Fresh back from his trip to London to watch his beloved Jacksonville Jaguars and I assume his secondly beloved Philadelphia Eagles. Wino, first off, what is the NFL like in jolly old England?
4: Oh, it was awesome. I mean, this is 85,000 people at Wembley Stadium. And it's wacky because you see fans in a jersey of basically every NFL team. Everybody has a team over there, and it's not like they're all Eagles and Jaguars fans. And and it's been like this for every game for the last since 2007 now. That people are wearing like a Buccaneers jersey or or a Saints jersey, and it's it's a really cool atmosphere. Other than the hour and a half wait to get back on a train after the game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we know, why know. My question for you, we know is a bit of an inside <laughs> joke among every <laughs> NHL scribe. Uh, you've got such a good pulse on all things NHL, and we know when the NFL's going over there, they've got an eye on potentially moving a team there one day. The NHL has done their global series. You know, they're in Finland right now, but do you Mm -hmm. see any possibility in their horizon the NHL putting a team in Europe?
4: No, I actually think there's a a higher chance of the KHL having teams in North America in the next 10 years than the NHL having a team in Europe. I really do. I I, I think if if the KHL... Now, this would mean the ruble has to, to rebound and a bunch of other things. But I think the KHL has more of, of an appetite to expand to wacky places because they've done from, from Vladivostok all the way to Jokarit to in, in, in Helsinki to where they don't care about those long flights. I, I don't see, at least until playing technology gets to the point where flights are not that long, the ability to, to have a physical team over there. The NFL, at least you're only playing eight home games. Potentially, to, to have a team there, you still probably need a base of practice in, in, in the United States. I, I just think there's more of a possibility that KHL says, hey, let's have a Quebec City team and, and, and try to take the advantage of a market that needs, that needs hockey, or we're doing something like that, a Hartford or, or one of these cities that's probably not getting an NHL team anytime soon, than the NHL really making the leap. I, I can see them playing like this for a bunch of years, playing instead of two or, or three or four, but five or six or seven. Uh, regular season games over there, but uh, until until uh, we have maybe a change in leadership or or uh, or a change in technology, I think it's hard to imagine uh, an NHL team over in Europe.
0: So wait for those Star Trek transporters, is what he's saying. Now the the KHL thing yeah. that I find interesting is, I mean, the Quebec City idea is a really keen one, and I think that's that's a, that's a perfect sort of place for the KHL to expand. But knowing that league and knowing the money. Behind those teams, and knowing that there are some people, for example, that may or may not own the Brooklyn Nets, uh, that, uh, that have lots of money, I guarantee, I, I think they put a team in New York if they ever expanded to the U.S.
4: Yeah, I, I, if they could find it, an arena willing to, to sign up for that. Brooklyn! That's a Nassau, yeah, or that's a <laughs> Nassau Coliseum or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly possible, and, and, and and Quebec, Quebec City, if, if Quebecois wants to get a team come hell or high water, well, it would make a whole lot of sense. But anyway, if you're the KHL and you have some, someone with a, a lot of oil money in New York, why wouldn't you have a team there?
0: Well, I think the interesting thing about a place like Quebec City or Kansas City or Houston or Hartford is that as long as Gary Bettman is alive and has his hand at the wheel of the National Hockey League, you will be dead to him if you let a KHL team play in your building.
4: Oh yeah, co- correct, and, and and probably as long as Bill Daly is alive too, because they're they're the same person and, and, and their their leadership <laughs> style and leadership techniques. That yes, yeah, so if, if you want to have a, a team in Quebec City, sure. If you're Houston and you're Tillman Fertitta and have the possibility of, of owning an NHL team soon, and you could see that possibility on on the horizon, I would stay the heck away from the KHL.
1: Well, speaking of that, I, I saw recently the KHL is once again campaigning for some kind of international series, like an exhibition against an NHL All-Star team. You're saying the chances of that are
4: uh, fine because I think the NHL team teams would destroy them. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I mean, if, if if it's a way for the, for the PA in the league to, to get some extra money somehow about, from the KHL for doing this, you're already playing games overseas. You're already trying to to expand a fan base into Europe. Uh, well past what kind of the NBA has done the NFL is currently doing I don't think anything like that would hurt and unless you lose in, in, in an embarrassing fashion to KHL to KHL players who were at the Olympics
0: alright let's talk about weed you wrote about the <laughs> NHL <laughs> and marijuana you did your due diligence as every writer has i.e. reaching out to Riley Cote uh, what's your opinion right now on the NHL's relationship with uh, grandpa's magic eye medicine and the increasing legality of it across Canada, the creeping legality of it in the United States. Where are we headed with the NHL and pot?
4: It's amazing that the NHL is more progressive on this than the United States at large, and and we saw that with the, with the sports betting deal too. In that the NHL is willing to willing to at least look the other way, if nothing else, on, on marijuana. That it, that since it's not uh, it's not punished for, it's it's tested for, but not really disciplined in any kind of way. That it, it makes the NHL kind of look smart on this topic, I guess. If you could say, if you consider what Justin Trudeau and and Canada have done intelligent in in legalizing marijuana, that that I I do think the potential down the road, and this is like you said, after Gary Bedman is no longer around and maybe 15, 20 years from now, 25 years from now, that it will be, I think, a more mainstream way of, Hey, let's not give this guy 80 pills of oxy. Let's, let's use some of this medicinal marijuana instead And and say what you want about the the kind of recreational marijuana, but I I think there's a real purpose in a sport where there is painkiller addiction, and and, and we've seen stories of players, uh, notably Mike Richards, being arrested for for possession, but players be addicted to painkillers that I think, compared to all the other leagues, guys, I I really think the, the NHL has been progressive on this.
0: W- Wano, where, where do you think usage is in the NHL now? I mean, um, I, I remember Gary Joyce recently published a story on sports that they had somebody saying usage is upwards of like 60, 70, 80% of players are, are smoking weed uh, or using some semblance of, of, of cannabis. Where, where do you think usage is in the league
4: right now? Yeah, Raleigh Cote said 50 to 60%, and folks I, I've talked to around who think it's, it's lower than that, certainly probably, maybe in the maybe in the 20 to 30 Percent range and, and and I wonder how com- how comparable that is to the general population. Maybe in Canada right now you have fifty sixty percent of people at large using it, and, and and at some point when it becomes more more mainstream that might make a lot of sense. But I would say of, of the seven hundred players in the NHL, I would say certainly under half of them. Mm-hmm.
1: What I find most interesting is when the league went from survey testing to full testing for uh, drugs of substance, um, substance abuse rather, so that could include cocaine or marijuana. The reason they did it, in my understanding, is because they were looking at the 30% they were testing and saying, holy cow, we actually have a cocaine problem.
4: Yeah, yes, and, 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 that, and that's the thing that, that the NHL doesn't really want to, want to put out there publicly, but yes, cocaine is a bigger problem, certainly than marijuana in the NHL, I, I, I would have been led to believe that that marijuana certainly is less harmful for players than, than cocaine. And the league, at least, at the very least, even the, the PA in the, in the last couple of summers ha, has talked about potentially putting more punishments on cocaine because they want to have a, a, a better idea of who's using it and try to kind of cut, kind of cut down and limit the, the amount and percentage of players using cocaine.
0: Right. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the Flyers for a second. You're a Washington guy now, but I know that kid. Please tell me this
4: is a gritty question. ...glance over
0: at the world of gritty. What, what what possibly else do we have to say about gritty at this point? Do you have any gritty take that's not been stated on the record, Wino?
4: Yeah, gritty, gritty should probably uh, be coaching the Flyers
0: instead of a taxed <laughs>
1: <laughs> All I have to say is we hit our token gritty reference for the week, so let it be <laughs> yeah. known. You'll not hear his name again.
0: Yeah, and, and as as a, as a transition from the pot discussion, it was a token gritty reference. Now, here's the question, Wino. <sighs> An 856 save percentage is a team right now with the Flyers, last in the National Hockey League, be- behind the Florida Panthers who don't have Luongo, behind the St. Louis Blues who do have Jake Allen. What is going to happen for this Flyers team in goaltending? Is Neuwirth going to steady the ship? Is Carter Hart going to uh, do a WWE run-in and and, and stop the match? What's going to go on here with the Flyers as far as their goaltending position?
4: they're going to continue to get, to get bad goaltending, probably. And it, it, it seems like the entire time Ron Hexball has been unwilling to, to kind of push this kind of arc of, of contending forward at all with Carter Hart or, or making moves that, that Brian Elliott and Michael Norberth have been, and even Calvin Tucker and even Calvin, Picker, and, and even, even Calvin have been stopgap kind of band-aid solutions for who's going to play goal here. And, and, and I don't think... I don't think he's in any rush to fix that problem. Michael Norbert is going to probably find his groove at some point, and then he'll get hurt because as he's done that his entire career in, in, yep. in Washington and elsewhere. But that, that this, is, this is what he does. So uh, you can't count on Michael Norworth to play 45 of these games at, at any point. Brian Elliott is is what he is. The good news for Philadelphia is that those guys are not under contract anymore after this season, and so it will be Carter Hart time. But he, he is not having the greatest – uh, start to the season in, in the AHL, so it's not like Ron Heckstall and the Flyers really want to call him up right now and throw him to the wolves. With the way that that blue line is playing, and I can't really blame them. Uh, I just I, I think it's going to be a rough year for the for the Flyers in goal and on defense as a lot of these 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 young defensemen grow up and make a lot of mistakes. And then we're going to see what Carter really has next year. Yeah. We
1: well, you know you're someone who just covers the entire NHL. Just tell me what's one trend you've seen sticking so far.
4: Uh, I mean, it's the, the goal is for sure. And, 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 and I know you guys are talking goalie equipment, but I, I don't know that it's necessarily a cause uh, from having similar equipment for all the goals. I just think a lot of teams are a disaster right now defensively. And, and, and the way that the NHL has moved toward this whole speed and skill thing, it's working. All these changes to goalie equipment that, that have been designed and the the rules designed for bigger zones for career play and anything to get more goals, it's working. And, and for all the people who complain about quality of play and not enough scoring chances, we're not hearing any of that right now. So it, it, the product seems to be on, on good footing. Uh, I know it sounds like a Gary Bettman speech that the state of the league is good and all that but <laughs> hey, the, the, the goals are being scored people are happy about that, everyone is happy except for the goaltenders right now
1: Alright, last thing from me, Bill Daly recently said he's got a proposal that I believe has been vetted already for realignment, if and should Seattle uh, join the NHL, give me your best guess, what's happening, Arizona going to the uh, Central?
4: Yeah, Arizona going to the Central is, is, is the, the, the proposed plan right now um, it would certainly not um not stop any of those rumors of okay. arizona to houston in, in a little while if that would happen um but it, that that's the most logical of all the scenarios i think that you could there's just there's no other real way to do it you want to keep uh, you want to keep those those alberta teams together certainly in, in, in the pacific division and i think arizona to the central is the thing that makes the most sense
0: there you go or move nashville to the east and uh, use this moment of uh, weakness for Detroit and move them back to the West. It has nothing to do with Seattle entering the league, but it'd be better for the Western Conference. That's all I'm saying. Can't it would, in, it would be better
4: for the Western Conference and worse for Detroit.
0: <laughs> well, you know they had they had their chance. Uh, Steve Wino, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Where can people find your work?
4: Uh, APNews.com and just search my name.
0: You're not going to put you're not going to pimp your your horse Twitter.
4: Uh, as final horses? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Breeders' Cup coming up this weekend. we we got, we got to talk horses at some point, too. As final horses.
0: Why no, um there's a horse now we heard this morning on our on our, our editorial call. The owners of Nyquist now have a horse called Datsuk, I believe. Is that true? Are you aware of this?
4: I, I was not aware of this. i got to do some research.
0: Have you? How, do you look down on people that bet on horses based on the name because you're such a no, genius at picking no, horses? No.
4: No, because I, because I they probably do better at betting than I do. Uh, trying to try to handicap races. My dad keeps betting on names and numbers and and anniversaries and stuff, and does way better than I do. At the
1: top. It's like the people go. Who pick their uh, March Madness bracket based off the mascots?
0: Yeah, based on which mascot could beat the other in a fight. Emily, this is science. I mean, it's settled. Yeah, this settled is it's a settled math. This, is, this
1: is still better. Yes.
0: Yeah. Exactly. All right, Steve. Thank you for joining us.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Thanks very much, Greg. Did you know that Discover is the official credit card of the NHL? Of course. Yeah, and did you know that with Discover you can show how much you love your team everywhere you shop with a personalized card featuring your favorite NHL team's logo and colors?
0: No idea, but now I know.
1: Yeah, because no matter what team you root for, Discover is committed to rewarding all of their card members with cash back match. Only Discover offers a dollar-for-dollar match on all of the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. No caps, no sign-ups. Redeem your rewards in any amount at any time. And this is the best part. They never expire. Oh. With all of that extra cash, you can treat yourself to center ice seats to the game, your favorite player's jersey, or maybe buy some new headphones to listen to your favorite podcast on. Just saying. You can try it and believe it at discover.com slash NHL. It's only for new card members and limitations do apply.
0: All right. Now it's time for our favorite segment every week.
1: Phil Kessel loves hot dogs. No, he does not love to eat hot
0: dogs. Good one, Randy. Oh. Good one. It's Phil Kessel Loves Hot Dogs, the segment in which we take a look at the hockey media, the things they say, the hyperbole they spill, and their various foibles. And this week, we go back to the eye of the hurricane, the source of Phil Kessel Loves Hot Dogs, Toronto, Canada. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, but Austin Matthews is going to miss about a month with an injured shoulder, which prompted uh, uh, the, the author's name is Rick Zemp- Zemperin. Uh, of uh, nine hundred chml, uh, this is a blog that ran on globalnews.ca. Now, normally, when you see is Austin Matthews the next Wendell Clark, I mean that's typical, you know, Maple Leafian presumption and hyperbole of comparing today's players to yesteryear's players. But in this case, it's injury panic, Emily.
4: Hmm. In this
0: case, he's wondering now in his third NHL season. Matthews is drawing comparisons to Clark due to his injury history. Through his 18-year NHL career, Clark made it through just one entire season injury-free, his second year in the league, and after missing 20 games last season with a shoulder injury, back injury, and a concussion, the 21-year-old Matthews is out again with another shoulder injury. Watching Matthews get hurt again and walk to the dressing room on Saturday made me instantly think of the career Clark would have had if be had stayed healthy for most of it. For Matthews' sake... I hope he doesn't travel down the same path as the former Maple Leafs captain. So not only do we have a little bit of Wendell Clark would have been incredible had he stayed healthy. We have oh my God, Austin Matthews is a fragile porcelain doll, and he's always going to be hurt.
1: As per usual with many of these Phil Kessel loves hot dog segments, I got nothing.
0: <laughs> I think it's he's a young player, and, and maybe we're just you know panicking a little bit too much. He should be fine. Uh, all right, now it's time for the puck headlines. Dateline Finland. <laughs> Paul Maurice, head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, was asked a very odd question about Patrick Laine and Alexander Barkov.
3: Paul, you don't want to compare them, but uh, do you expect Laine to show Barkov who's the daddy here in Finland? Oh,
0: so welcome to Europe, eh? I never get asked a question like that. First of all, I'm not even sure what that means. I'm old. Um, I think it'll be a great contest. <laughs> so, Emily, who's the daddy? Patrick Line or Alexander Barkov?
1: Uh, the daddy is Finnish media because apparently Winnipeg media has been slacking on their questions. But uh, I think when it comes to Flash and things like that, it's Line, and maybe that's what the daddy is. When it comes to an all around, well rounded game that maybe goes underappreciated, that's usually not what we describe a daddy as, right?
0: I want a daddy that's reliable, that I know is always going to be there, and that plays a 200 foot game. Alexander Barkov is the daddy.
1: Maybe I have Did- daddy issues.
0: Dateline Department of Player Safety. (laughs) (laughs) Tom Wilson is appealing Gary Bettman's ruling that upheld his 20-game suspension. After listening to Bettman's uh, ruling and, and reading all about it and seeing the ins and outs of it, Emily, what are the chances that Tom Wilson gets his suspension reduced by a neutral arbitrator?
1: That I do not know. Uh, I'm totally dumbstruck on this one. I I think there's a chance. There's always a chance. The one thing that really stuck out to me was how much the NHL has done, Department of Player Safety specifically, unpublicized to meet with Wilson, um, whether it's all these trips that George Peros made or these phone calls, even during the Stanley Cup final, to try to help him. And I think this is them just trying to say, look, we've given you all the resources. You're just not meeting us halfway.
0: I think Bettman's math that he presented in his ruling is pretty logical if well, you're it's the... Well, N- math, no? Well, it's Paris's math, but it's obviously the the math that, that the NHL is going with here as far as the multiplier and the number of mm-hmm. games and be happy you're not Rafi Torres. it sets precedent. Yeah, sure. I, I think it's good for the NHL. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be good for a neutral party. I, I have a feeling, and the NHLPA has been pretty successful now with going to the arbitrator on appeal in places like the Dennis Wybin ruling and the Austin Watson ruling and, and so on and so forth, um I think I think this gets knocked down a little bit, maybe maybe to sixteen or fifteen games, uh is my prediction, be, based on the success rate they've had. Uh Dateline Dallas, then Bishop tells ESPN, that's us, that he hates goalie analytics and the one stat he thinks matters is wins.
1: That was a great piece by you. I'm just curious, what was the feedback you got on it?
0: The analytics community I thought this was stupid that he thinks wins are the most important <laughs> staff for a goalie. But I kind of understand where Bishop's coming from because, like, in the article and in our conversation, he's talking about what is valued for a goalie. And, like, the Vezina Trophy typically will go to a successful goalie no matter what the numbers are. Uh, you know, bonuses go to te- goalies that win. Large contracts go to goalies that are successful. At the end of the day, winning a game is more valuable in some ways than putting up stellar uh, analytic numbers for a goaltender um, in a general sense so i kind of get where he's coming from but i also understand from the analytics community that dismissing uh, advanced stats while also saying wins matter is like a skater being like possession stats are dumb check out my plus minus baby <laughs> so i think i get it i get where they're coming from dateline nhl hq speaking of great articles Uh, Emily talked to Bill Daly, and Bill Daly revealed that the NHL does not expect to change the goalie equipment that is currently being used by goaltenders, i.e. those chest protectors we talked about, that are uh, leaving them bruised and battered. Quote, I like not to overreact to things. I don't think that some of the concerns we're hearing about currently are really reflective of a large majority of goaltenders, said Daly.
1: Yeah, I think the most interesting thing here is, the NHL says, look, we've been working on this forever. We have tested this. We have consulted with people who are going to be affected by it. You're hearing people complain right now, but you're only hearing a select few people complain. We think it's fine. Calm down. There's people who like it who just aren't saying it.
0: Uh, we shall see. I mean, it's pretty clear that they're not going to change anything, even though the goalies are griping. But as many people have pointed out, even the goaltenders themselves, these gripes tend to uh, dissipate a bit when it comes uh, to uh, the later in the season.
1: Well, the one thing that I think the goaltenders do have issue with, and this is something that's out of the NHL's hands, is the manufacturers and when they got the equipment and whether the equipment is accessible if it's on back order. You know, I think the NHL did this in time where guys can have it in early in the summer and be able to train with it, and not all guys got it. And who is the onus on? A lot of times it could be manufacturers, it could be equipment managers, it could be the guys themselves.
0: Dateline Pittsburgh, the Penguins are 6-1-2, and and Sidney Crosby has just terrorized Western Canada with a backhand goal fest. Is there anything better than a defiant, angry Sid doing this in the face of being left out of the McDavid versus Matthews best player in the world debate?
1: Uh, The only thing better than that is the boy band pick the team took on their scenic view of Banff. Uh, where everyone had the same <laughs> aesthetic and, uh, Gino Malkin proved to me that trucker hats are still existing in the world. They are totally. They are totally. <laughs>
0: uh, but also, it's great. I mean, like, Sid scoring that goal in overtime against McDavid and the Oilers is just like, there's nothing better than, than someone telling Sid, oh, you're irrelevant now, old man. And Sid being like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, actually I'm not so irrelevant, am I? <laughs> And then, uh, and then not just going on tail. Oh, call that
1: just, oh, yep. player just of the week, impression. Oh, seven points. On. Hey,
0: listen, it's solid. Uh, it's you know, fair. yeah, you know, I think your uh, impression is, uh, it's pretty good. It uh, <laughs> makes you a pretty good teammate to make the attack. <laughs> and, uh, you know, good teammates together can succeed and do great things. Uh, finally, Emily, Dateline Halloween, to continue the world's ongoing debate, best and worst thing to get in your Halloween bag. <laughs>
1: Always Reese's Pieces, Reese's, peanut butter cups, anything Reese's, Reese's come sponsor me. Um, The worst, any kind of sucking candy, uh, anything in a plastic wrapper, uh, those just didn't do it for me. (laughs) Best?
0: Um, I would say full-size Butterfingers were always my best. Mm. Whenever I would get one, it was like finding a a brick of gold uh, somewhere in your yard uh, worst, I don't know if this ever happened to you, uh, or anybody else, but in my neighborhood growing up, there was a house that gave away bags of pennies. What? Which I really found to be odd. One, clearly like how inedible. How pennies? Not
1: even a lot, like,
0: like 30.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Wait, not even a dollar. A small piece of Halloween candy is probably less than 30 cents each.
0: I mean, it is like, you know, six Bazooka Joes at that time, but sure. like, you know, we're talking when I was a kid, so, you know, inflation being what it is, I'm sure that might be like 200 pennies by now, but like, bag of pennies for Halloween. Very strange, very strange. Uh, not as strange as the calls we get to the ESPN on Ice rant line, such as this one.
3: Hey, Greg and Emily. This is Rob from Virginia, and I just want to say that the only time you should get credit for a goal is when the puck comes off your stick. It's paradoxically strange for you to say that you did not intend to kick the puck in, yet this is your goal. Anytime it makes contact with the body, it should just not... Be your goal. It can be a goal. It makes no sense to, to, to score that goal for you. So then you get situations where uh, we have an Australian hockey player who's got one goal in the league, but no one even knows that he even really touched it, just brushed it. Same thing goes for assists. You, you get strange situations where a Yager scores and you know, he breaks the points record by inadvertently bumping the puck up a bit. and also Patrick Kane extending his point streak by you know handing the puck to a, another player on his team. Anyway, that's it. This
0: sucked. <laughs> Bye. You know, I, I'm i actually on the other side of this debate where I've always said that by any means necessary, if you get the puck in the net, swat it with your hand, headbutt it, kick it around with your feetses. I don't care. It's hard enough to score in this league where we shouldn't be restricting players from doing all they can to score a goal. That's my opinion, at least.
1: I hear you. And when I did my player roundtable, I asked guys one rule change they'd make. Seth Jones was one of my favorites. He said you should be able to kick pucks in. I think that's a skill. I think it's a skill, too.
0: I think so, too. And, and the, the ones that really bother me are the ones where guys like soccer headed into the goal and stuff. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's a high degree of difficulty there. So, I have no problem with it by any means necessary. You know, before the, uh, the halcyon days of, of offense that we've had these past four years, scoring was never a part of the NHL in the last, like, decade. So, again, you put the puck in the net, everybody's happy, and uh, at the end of the day, more stuff for us to bet on. Uh, anyway, that's ESPN and Ice for this week. Hey, by the way, where can people call that rant line, Emily?
1: You know what, Greg? They can call us at 860 516 1029.
0: All right. Our thanks to Darren Ravel of ESPN. Our thanks to Steve Wino of the Associated Press. You can find my stuff at Wyshynski on Twitter and also on ESPN.com, obviously.
1: And you can obviously also find my stuff there and at Emily M. Kaplan on Twitter.
0: All right. That's ESPN on Ice for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please uh, rate and review the show on iTunes so other people can find it. Bye. 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 Bye.
2: This has been ESPN on Ice with Wyszynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.